concerned about that. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, at this point, our children's children's children couldn't pay this back. So, anyway. Thank you, Maxine. Okay, so we are in First King. First Kings. We're <laughs> we're in First Philippians. <laughs> uh, we're in First Ephesians seven, I think. <laughs> I could use some prayer, guys. <laughs> we're in Philippians chapter two. We're going to start in verse four. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we're on page page four. At the bottom of page four, we're on the very last point before we get to the next uh, section there. And so we're still on the subject of uh, Christ's exaltation, and that's uh, verses 9 through 11. And just on verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we've already looked at these. Letter F is Christ is our example. And uh, that, that paragraph we've looked at, but I'm just going to read it. Jesus Christ, in, in leaving the presence of God the Father, the glory of heaven and taking the likeness of sinful flesh and walking among sinful men and offering his life not only for those seeking mercy from God, but for the very ones spitting on him and spitefully treating him, for this cause, he is our example, not only of humble service, but reward. Because the Bible says God's given him a name above every name. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good to see, see you guys. And that because of his, of his humility, because of his laying down his life uh, in service, as well as uh, uh, literally giving his life to cleanse us from our sins, because of all these things, God has given him a name which is above every name. And God, and we looked at, started this last week looking at, I have a number two in my notes, uh, underneath that Philippians 2, uh, 2 9, where, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Number two, he is an appointed, appointed an inheritance, the heir of all things. We looked at this in Hebrews uh, uh, 1, and uh, we are made joint heirs with him. So we who know Jesus Christ have received him as our savior. We we have him in inside of us. Uh, we also are made co uh, inheritors or joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And so we looked at that last week. So moving on, I have this last note about this, and that's in John chapter three, verse thirty five. The father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hand. And so listen, there's so many things. There's so many things about this this scope. That what we're talking about is beyond our, our ability to understand how greatly exalted Jesus is. And the fact is, is he is the creator of all things. The Lord Jesus uh, was involved in the act of creation. And the Bible talks about this in Colossians, that by him, all things were made and for him and by him, all things consist. In other words, everything's being held together by his personal power. The Lord Jesus being the master of the universe, but beyond all of this, he is the inheritor 
of all things. And again, that goes beyond our capacity to truly understand what it means, as well as the fact that we are joint heirs with him. And everybody in this room, knowing ourselves for who we are, we should know (laughs) there's just no way you can account that we deserve any of that. That God would make us joint heirs with his son. And I don't understand it, but I, I thank God for it. And I, I, I praise him for making us joint heirs with Christ. And so um, moving on to number two there, and you know, this is the last point before we move on. There is no service done for God that will not receive God's rec- uh, recognition and reward. So even as the Lord Jesus, and you look at what happened on the way to Calvary and the way he was treated, you know, there's. There's just no reconciling that uh, that uh, that anything could be worth that. But his his service, his his humbling and his it's all recognized. And the fact is, is that Christ is our example also. And the thing is, I have to say these things out loud because we so often feel like what's going on in my life. Nobody knows. I'm sure I'm not the only one has felt all alone. (laughs) You felt like nobody knows, nobody cares. And the fact is, is we can know that God knows and we can know that God cares, but that doesn't change how we feel. It doesn't change the fact that I feel like I'm all alone and, 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 and I'm in obscurity and no one knows or cares what about what I'm going through. And the fact is, is that is not true. It's just that our recompense for the sufferings for Christ in this life. You don't see that now. You see that in the life to come. The reward is not now. The fact is, is Jesus Christ did rise from the grave and he did uh, uh, set the example for us in humility. But his reward sitting at the right hand of the father until all things be put under his feet. Listen, that did not come in this life. When Herod, when he appeared before Herod, when he appeared before Pontius Pilate, they did not bow down before the Lord Jesus Christ then. Matter of fact, both Herod and Pilate, at least their their men, their 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 bands were part of the group of people mistreating Christ. And so, listen, in this lifetime is not where we see reward. And the thing is, is we're in the midst of our labors. We're in the midst of suffering and trials. You tend to feel like and I think this is part of Satan's attack sometimes is it's all a waste of time. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. And listen, the thing is, is God gives us glimpses into reality beyond our vision. And the truth is, is that there is a reward for living for Christ. And there's nothing like it says in Romans that the, that the sufferings of this lifetime are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And so listen, folks, it's like everything else in life. You have to take it by faith. Hey, Miss Patton, nice to see you. So everything must be taken by faith. And the reward for living for Christ in this lifetime is yet to come. It is not going to be seen. In the, There are recompenses. We're going to look at that in just a second. There are blessings. Matter of fact, the living for Christ, even with persecutions, is worth it. Beyond degree, it's worth it. Because the suffering of life without Christ's purpose, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine suffering in this life for no good reason. And yet living as a human being on planet Earth, everybody's going to encounter the pains of life. Everybody, everybody's going to be suffering loss. Everybody's going to be going through pains and hardships. And there's so many people that you look into their life and they've had it so hard. But the truth is, is here. This is beyond the subject of reward. Having Christ as a place of refuge (laughs) to flee to 
to be able to run to Christ and find refuge and help. I, I, I would ask for testimonies. We had time, but I'm sure there are many in this room of how in times of great trouble and great and great suffering and great uh, uh, pain of heart and mind. Many of us can testify Christ was my refuge, that he was able to lift the burden off my heart, off my mind. And it doesn't mean our troubles went away. It meant that we found refuge in Christ. We found the help that we need for a time of need. And Christ is that place of refuge. But listen, there is reward. There is reward for living for the Lord Jesus Christ that's coming. And we're meant to look forward to that. God tells us that the Lord Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. <laughs> and I can any of us imagine what this place must be like that Jesus is preparing for us? I know it has something. There is, there'll be some way in which... Our life now is reflected in heaven, in the, in the life we have to come. And I know that it re- involves crowns, it re- involves rewards, or a lack thereof. <laughs> but all of us are meant to look at these things with anticipation. And it's not like we live with our head in the clouds, but at the same time, we are meant to enjoy the truth that Christ has a recompense for those who love Him and live for Him. And that there's a specific crown just for those who love his appearing and are looking for it day by day. And listen, I I know what it is to get involved or get get bogged down in life. I feel like every day I have to strike fight off being bogged down. I'm not saying I'm particularly mistreated. I'm just saying that I get I get distracted by the stuff of this world, this life. But we are meant to wake up every day by faith and say the Lord Jesus is coming back. I just bought my wife a shirt. <laughs> you saw it, didn't you, Mom? So it says normal is not coming back, but Jesus is. <laughs> uh, morning, folks. Normal is not coming back. Jesus is coming back. And there is a reward for every single day looking forward to his coming. And so uh, he's appointed an inheritance, the heir of all things. And we are made joint heirs with him. So number two, there is no service done for God that will not receive God's recognition and reward. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to get to this handout that, uh, that Melissa gave out or that Maxine and others gave out. <laughs> uh, Mark chapter 10 and verse 28. So this is uh, coming up uh, behind some, some uh, extraordinary things. <laughs> And in um, verse 28, so then Peter said, began to say unto him, lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And so Peter's thing that he's pointing out is we we have we've left everything. We've we've left all of our lively, you know, the, uh, Peter and James and John, they were fishermen. They left their livelihood. So just there's so many things you could point out there. But they said, we've left all and have followed thee. And Jesus said, answered and said, verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. And it's like a lot of things in life. We have to give up our own understanding of everything. (laughs) You know, and, and praise God, as you as you grow in the Lord, some things become easier for us to manage and understand in our own hearts and minds. 
Thank God for that. But the truth is, is there's nothing you can give up for the Lord in this lifetime that in this lifetime He is not able to give you beyond our ability to imagine. That does not mean and that there are preachers, and I'm sure most of us have heard them, have, have taught a, a prosperity gospel. Hey, Jesus is going to make everything better. Not just that, but, you know, if you know Jesus, you're going to go from prosperity to prosperity. And there's I I can't think of anything that's more contrary to the scriptures than what that says (laughs) or what what those those men say. But at the same time, even if we're not promised prosperity and we're not promised that, but uh, whatever our life holds, there's nothing you can give up for the Lord that he cannot recompense beyond our ability to imagine in this lifetime. Even before we're talking about the subject of reward. And so how does that work? You know, uh, how do you give up lands and houses and family and be recompensed a hundredfold for that? Well, I know one way, and that's that in, in, in turning away from family, if it's for Christ, it's more wonderful if, of course, the whole family knows Christ and, and you love and serve the Lord together. That's wonderful, but that is often not the case. And if you do turn away from family or, or you, you suffer because of Christ in your life. Listen, in the family of God, there is blessings of family together. And I have, and bless you. And, and there's, there's so many people that I, I have felt so bound together with in the Lord that we are blessed together to have a family union that's closer than blood. And so it's wonderful to have Family where you love the Lord together, but even if you have, it has cost you like in, in, in many of the apostles case, Peter was married. We don't know anything about his marriage after his apostleship. I mean, there's, there's nothing about it, good or bad. And so there's a, there's one point where it talks about how, uh, is, I believe it's his mother-in-law who was sick. Anybody know for sure? I think it was his mother-in-law who was sick and Christ raised her up. But that's almost the only thing we know about Peter and his home life. But listen, there's no, it's not hard to imagine that being an apostle of Christ would cost his family as far as he would be involved in ministry to the point where he probably wasn't available as full time as a father and a husband there all the time. Now, now listen, I, I am firm in my belief that you become a Christian and you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a better husband. You become a better father. You become a better grandfather. Praise God. (laughs) But also at the same time, there is going to be a cost to the family. Listen, there is no comparison of what we gain by having the Lord Jesus Christ among us and in our hearts and in our families and our homes. And so as it says here, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in the world to come eternal life. And that's the way it is meant to be that in the Lord, you gain family and loved ones and homes and lands. And and then there's the fact that we are inheritors of those things. The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. The truth is, is the whole world is going to become the Lord's, the Lord, his kingdom is going to, he's going to take back the deed of planet earth when he comes back very shortly. (laughs) And you look at the landscape of our world and I don't see how it could be much longer. And the preachers have said that, you know, (laughs) for a millennia. But the truth is, is I can't understand how it could be much longer. It feels like we are racing towards the end times. And boy, these these leaders in Congress and the Senate and the if only they could see, if only they could open their eyes just for a split second 
and understand, look, man, you are helping set up the end times. And, uh, and you know, just, just the, the, very, the, the things that have happened in our world in the past couple of years, just the past couple of years, they're talking about doing away with currency. They're talking about, uh, about uh, no one owning anything. Looks, that sounds an awful lot like the, like the, the tribulation period. Or no one owns anything. You only buy and sell by the mark of the beast. And folks, the technology is here. There is this. That's not a hard thing to figure it out at all. That that someone puts a chip in your hand and you buy and sell only by that chip. And so, listen. Our, our point is to recognize Jesus is coming back soon. These are our last days that we have as children of God to be faithful to Him. And when, when Christ calls me home, I don't want to be unfaithful. I want to be found serving him, looking for his coming and asking God to change me. that I be like him. And so our place is to lay our lives at his feet and, and recognize there is a recompense. There's nothing you can give up for the Lord that he does not pay back many times in this lifetime just by having him in our lives. And also there's a, there's a there's reward of treasures we can't imagine just by following the Lord Jesus. So in Philippians chapter 3, so going back to Philippians, and in cha- Philippians chapter 3, I mentioned this last Wednesday, I almost wish I hadn't, <laughs> because I went far more into it. I, I don't think it was even part of my notes last Wednesday, but we talked about Paul and his accounting of, uh, of his warning to the Philippians about beware of dogs, <laughs> he says in verse 2, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. That's what this is all about. There's no reason to have confidence in the flesh. Verse four, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man other than if any other man thinketh that he hath hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is found in the law, blameless. Verse seven. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And just pausing right here for a second. What Paul says is all of the things that were gained to Saul of Tarsus that he could claim before the day he met Jesus Christ, which, by the way, the day he met Christ was the day it all fell away. (laughs) But can you imagine living your life uh, climbing higher and higher to attain greater and greater things? And in like he mentioned zeal and persecuting the church. And the Bible says in, in Acts that he said at one point, all these things that I've done, I have done before God. I, I'm I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> but uh, he said, I've done I've all, done all things with a, a clear heart. I can't remember how it's worded. Anybody remember how it's worded? OK, <laughs> anyway, I've done all these things before God with a clear conscience I, is pretty much. And then he was smitten. And so he, anyway, the point is, is the, that that. Even before he met Christ, he believed he was serving God with all of his heart. And so listen, all the things that he could say that he attained as a fervent Jewish man, a fervent citizen of Israel and a Pharisee and and, uh, the keeping of the law, all of those things that were gained to him, he said they're lost. Not only lost, and we talked about this last Wednesday, but they're dung. As in, they're smelly, they're stinky, I I I don't want to claim them anymore. And so he goes on to say, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. 
Here it is. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And Paul says, what I gained after losing all those things, you could point to me and say, he's this and he's this and he's this. He says, all those things are lost, but I gained the knowledge of Christ. (laughs) So we're not talking about earthly things. We're not talking about uh, uh, titles or anything like that. We're talking about him knowing Jesus Christ. And how he describes that is the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Listen, this is something I feel like God has taught me over these many years is it is a great privilege to call Jesus your Lord. And it's something that a great deal, the vast majority of the world does not understand. But it is a privilege to say Jesus Christ is my Lord. And listen, there's so many scriptures we could look at, and I, I wish we had time to do that. But there, again, there's, there, it's like a many-faceted jewel. Everywhere you turn this, it prospers. It's a proverb, this is like that. But everywhere you turn, the knowledge of Christ, it prospers me. <laughs> listen, and, and we've said this before, you guys all know this, but Jesus Christ did not have to come down. He did not have to give His precious blood to cleanse this sinner from his sins. The Bible says it is with it is for the great love wherewith he loved us that that's why he did that. And so much of the world that sees Jesus Christ only in terms of of soulless religion, they are missing everything. It is the great love wherewith he loved me and everyone in this room that he came to take my sins upon himself and then be cruel, be treated in the most cruel way possible. To suffer in a way that I should have suffered for my own sins. And then, you know, on the cross, he said, it is finished. Those words, it is finished. The propitiation is paid. Man does not have to pay for his sins anymore. These things, again, what Paul says, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, it surpasses all that I that I thought I had before. And even listen, if you went to your grave, having kept those things to yourself, you'd go to the grave finding out it's nothing. <laughs> it has no value whatsoever. The only way to gather to yourself things of value is to gather Christ and to know him and follow him and find the blessings of walking with him and at the same time gain great reward. And so I have this note that Paul's accounting left him losing much for Christ. But what was lost was seen as dung and what was gained was beyond estimation and value. And of course, that's just a a, 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 a succinct way of saying that he gained so much in Christ. It's far surpassed his ability to, 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 to reckon it up in accounting terms as to what he lost before he knew Christ. And so number three, we are on work out your own salvation. Praise the Lord. We're getting to the handout. (laughs) I'm thinking, oh, man, we're going to we're not going to get to the handout. (laughs) So number three, this is back in uh, Philippians chapter two. And so we have moved on to the next section. Yay. (laughs) Okay, so um, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now. Much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so I have this handout that I don't think I got a handout. I didn't get a handout. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Oh, it's the color one too. <laughs> okay, so in this handout that you see that the top there, God's works are meant to be seen. And so it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now that, that phrase has caused many believers to wonder what's, what's going on. Does this mean I'm working for my salvation? That's not it. So number one, this is all part of the mysterious working of God in our lives as we grow in him from faith to faith and from glory to glory. I think, yeah, I, I need to read the first part here in your regular handout where it says, this is not us working for or earning our salvation, but us standing on God's work in us and working out or manifesting outwardly God's work in us beyond faith in Christ to walking with God and serving God in this world. So I'm going to read that again. This is not us working for or earning our salvation, but us standing on God's work in us and working out. So what God has done on the inside needs to be worked to the outside. (laughs) I've always thought of it. I don't know why, but I've always thought of like a rolling pin kneading out dough, you know, Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I think that. But anyway, it's it's working it out and or manifesting outwardly God's work in us beyond faith in Christ to walking with God and serving God in this world. And so even if you did stumble at that that phrasing, work out your own salvation, there are so many scriptures that make it so abundantly clear you do not work for salvation. <laughs> you cannot earn it. There is no way. And so there's there's no way that that could mean that. But I don't think that even even if you did take just the phraseology in this passage, I don't think it means that in any way. Uh, I think he's talking about working outwardly what is on the inside. And so now we're at the handout. <laughs> Number one there, this is all part of the mysterious working of God in our lives as we grow in him from faith to faith. And glory to glory. So I have all these these verses in your notes. All these uh, passages are right here. Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And as the just lives by faith, People can see what God has done in our lives. When you walk by faith, when you instead of doing the things that the world says you must do or the way to be happy is to do this and the way and instead you follow God's way, which often does not make sense to man's brains. Listen, the ways of God are not always going to make sense, but he always knows there's a passage uh, in uh, in the Old Testament. David, uh, 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 he became king in Israel and the Philistines came immediately against him. And uh, so the first time he said, shall I go up? And God says, go up. I've delivered them into your hands. And God and, and God sends David. And David wipes him out. And the Philistines come again, as they often do. <laughs> and David says, shall I go up? And God says, do not go up. And he says, but instead, make a compass around and go back behind the mulberry bushes. And I'm, I'm misquoting. But uh, he says, go back. Come back around, fetch a compass around and approach from this side. And again, David wipes them out. My point being is that there's many things in the Christian life that do not make sense to the carnal mind. They're not meant to. God doesn't want it to make sense to human minds. He wants it to be us following him and him given the victory, regardless of whether or not man can understand how. Listen, this, the whole Christian life is about following God and not following your senses. And so we walk from faith to faith. And, uh, and then in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, 
are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. And the more you put your eyes on Christ and the more you follow him, the more you often without even your own self seeing it, we're being changed into his image. And the world can see the difference often when we can't. (laughs) There's something different going on. And the point is, is that it's the Lord changing us. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So it's God's work in us that changes us into his image. And you think all the way back in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image. And the Bible says in the image of God created he him male and female created he them. It kind of goes back to our world today of, hey, can a can a can a guy say he's a girl and him be a girl? Well, no, (laughs) you could say you're a girl, but that does not make you a girl any more than I say. If I'm a winged Pegasus, does that make me a winged Pegasus? It does not, Brother Brett. (laughs) And so the point is, is that God created man in his own image. And now this is such a beautiful story, folks. Sin came into the world and messed everything up. There's not anything in the world. I don't think that was touched that wasn't touched by sin. And then Christ comes and he makes our he reconnects us to God and we can be in a close relationship with God. And now we can be changed again into his image. And here's the most wonderful part. One of the most wonderful parts of it is that when we get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says that in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is now set down to the right hand of the Father. As we get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, and folks, this is the trial of life. It is not difficult just getting your eyes on the Lord Jesus. It's difficult keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus, but it's the key to life. (laughs) It is the key for the Christian life. Get your eyes on the Lord and keep your eyes on the Lord. And in that process of getting your eyes on the Lord and keeping your eyes on the Lord, we are being changed Mm -hmm. by the grace of God. We're being changed. It's his work in us. The Bible says in that passage, um, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord in our lives. As we put our eyes on the Lord Jesus, he is changing us into his image. Now, the thing is, is this is a, a magnificent truth. I hope you're all prepared for this. Brett Garner cannot change the world. <laughs> uh, let me go further. Brian cannot change the world. <laughs> uh, let me just go further. None of us can change the world. Christ in us can change the world. Folks, that is undeniable. Because Christ has been changing the world. Since his first advent and since he has worked in mankind's life and brought salvation you know it's always amazed me as jesus christ came to this came to this earth and walked among men and he didn't just walk among men he walked among sinful men and the bible says he even looked like us and there's a distinction between sinful flesh and the way god created adam and eve in the beginning but the point is is he walked among men and men could come and touch him and be touched by him 
This, folks, is the pricelessness of Christ. And now he's still in us. And if only we could get, if God could help us to get our eyes off of ourselves, off of the world around us, and on Him, He can still touch other people's lives through us who know Him. And folks, that's why we're here. We're here to be like Him to the world around us. That's why we're here. And we didn't get that far, but we did get somewhere. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you all for letting me teach. I'm very thankful. I feel like I I gain more here than anybody else does. But uh, thank you for all being patient and and, uh, letting me teach you. (laughs) Or letting us learn together, I should say. And so um, we're going to have to close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. We do thank you, Lord, for your work in us. And, Lord, uh, we anxiously hope and wait upon you to continue doing, Lord, your great work in us. We uh, so desperately need you to continue changing us into the image of your dear son. And we do pray that you'd work in services today for your glory and honor, according to the need of every person here. Uh, we pray you help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray that you please help our hearts and our minds to be on you. And we pray that you bless the singing, bless the preaching, bless the listening, bless everything that's done here. Uh, let it be done for your glory and honor, for the edification and need and blessing of all who are here today. Bless and meet every need that every, every soul brought in with them today. And we ask for your blessing on every family, every home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.